tuning in and welcome to Beyond the Mission, the business of nonprofits on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton Allen, and I have with me Matt Walagorski, an insurance agent with Lyman Sheets Insurance Company. Today, we're discussing the impact of COVID-19 on different industries within our community. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, thanks, Vicki. I, I appreciate being here. I'm glad that you've taken the time to come out and speak with me today about the importance of insurance. We're focusing on the impact of COVID-19 on this show in particular, and I wanted you to kind of go over the impact of COVID-19 on the insurance industry. I am sure that has impacted the industry from multiple angles. Yeah, it's it's actually a, a two-part answer to that. There's the financial impact and there's the coverage impact. And financially, insurance companies, of course, have been affected by COVID-19 just as much as everybody else because premiums are based on payroll and sales. Commercial business premiums are either based on how much you're doing in sales or how much you're paying your employees. And that's down due to the uh, restrictions as a result of COVID-19 and even complete shutdowns. In Michigan, of course, because yeah. we're sitting here in Lansing, Michigan today recording, and our administration did a very sharp response to the pandemic, and we had complete shutdown. And some industries a year out are still shut down. Or extremely limited on their hours. So like if you consider restaurants or hotels, I mean, that's where those are the industries that have been most affected. And their premiums are based on sales and sales are way down. So premiums are going to be way down and the insurance companies are going to feel the effects of that as well, since they're not taking as much money. But on the on the flip side of that is not as much work was being done. So the claims are going to be down. Not as many people were on the roads driving around on their automobiles. So accident vehicle accidents are going to be down. Workers' compensation claims are going to be down. So the final impact on that is going to be it's yet to be determined because the results haven't been published from the insurance companies on how they did premium to claim payouts. You know, that's that's where the profit is. And so insurance policies are charged based on income and payroll. Is that right? Gross sales or payroll, one or the other. Okay. Yeah, depending on what your industry is. And construction, it's, it's all, the multiplier is how much you're paying your employees because that's that kind of gives them an indication of how much work you're doing. In the restaurant or hotel business, it's all based on sales. So that must be incredibly difficult in an environment where operations weren't allowed to continue. In addition to not being able to continue operations, there was workforce reduction. So then you had Mm -hmm. less people working and less money coming in. So that really must have impacted the insurance industry. Yeah, Yeah. They're they're going to feel the effects of it a little bit. So were there any interventions? Not as much as the actual businesses being shut down, though. Of course, we know that. <laughs> we, we, do, we do understand that. Thank right. you for clarifying. <laughs> there were some initiatives that were introduced that helped that, though, for small businesses. Right, right. Now, the other aspect of your question is the coverage aspect. And basically, the insurance companies have denied any claims arising out of infectious disease. So workers' compensation claims, it's not, a, it's not considered to be arising out of or in the course of your employment. If you contract COVID and you think you contracted it at work, it's still not a workers' compensation claim. And then there were also one last March when we first shut down and it was a forced shutdown by the government. A lot of my policyholders filed claims on their uh, business income coverage form and it was denied. The insurance, again, it's the infectious disease is not a trigger for the insurance policy. It's not a covered peril. And so all those claims were denied, but the government stepped in and did the PPP, which, you know, 
kind of relieve the insurance companies of having to continue to fight those claims. And extended a lifeline to right. the businesses yes. that were shut down, of yes. course. <laughs> so that, that took it off the insurance company's shoulders and placed it back on the government's shoulders. So, so that issue went away. There were no class action lawsuits or anything like that filed against insurance companies. So one of the things that this podcast in particular focuses on is nonprofits. And so I know that you are an expert in your field for ensuring the construction industry, but you also are a provider for some nonprofits. Can you just give us a rundown of the policies that nonprofits should be making sure that they have, or at least access some education on at this time so that they are not at risk of being underinsured? Sure. Well, nonprofits, you know, as you know, they're comprised of board members who can be held liable for decisions made by the nonprofit. And so directors and officers liability coverage is where those board members get protected from those liability claims. Also, many nonprofits provide services in their communities to all types of people, to children, to seniors, to disabled or the vulnerable. And sometimes they can be charged with allegations of misconduct or abuse even when there's no merit for the allegation. So it's wise to make sure that your policy, your directors and officers or general liability policy includes coverage for abuse and misconduct liability. So if nothing else, you can afford to hire a lawyer to defend you. So I just want to jump in there for a second. And I think because, of course, you know, I focus on nonprofits all the time. So I don't want any listeners to think that perhaps maybe nonprofits are high risk to being filled with perpetrators for abuse and misconduct. It's just that we are dealing with so many different sectors or facets of the community, different vulnerabilities that accusations may rise. And so it's best to be protected. It's my job to identify exposures and make sure you have coverage for those exposures. I don't, I'm not saying that nonprofits are out there, you know, doing things right. <laughs> that are sort of but if at allegations risk. are made, you're going to want to make sure that your policy s- stands up and kicks in for you. Agreed. And so that's an important piece because there's a lot of nonprofits that deal with kids and, and you would just want to make sure that you have the protection. For sure. Our elder community, mm-hmm. our disabled community, mm-hmm. they're all at risk and vulnerable. So I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying. And our job in the community is to protect them. But we want to ensure that we too are protected in those exchanges. Right. And then there's you know, crime and cyber liability, which is a new one. We hear a lot about cyber claims and cyber liability in the news. But in, as far as nonprofits go, a lot of nonprofits raise money through fundraising to support the mission. And as a result, they collect a large amount of data that could be confidential in nature about the the people providing the funds. So both crime and cyber liability coverage is is imperative to protect the nonprofit for claims that may arise out of the result of compiling data on their donors. Sure. And of course, all nonprofits do that. Many businesses do. They carry portfolios, sales portfolios, you know, prospecting. And and nonprofits are not necessarily- Credit card information. Credit card information. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Bank account information. And so that is important for all businesses, of course. But at nonprofits, 
there's a lot of philanthropy. So folks who are donating funds to the organization may well have access to greater wealth than some others. And it might be an attractive proposition for someone who's willing to conduct something illegal and steal data. If you're a criminal, you're going to target the ones that you know have the data that you're after. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I'm not sure why I'm, I'm laughing at that, but it's not a funny scenario, but it seems obvious when you say it. Where, right. where people aren't going to take advantage of something that's not going to be fruitful. Right. So Matt, you're talking about crime and cyber liability that is not an exclusive risk for nonprofits, but they can be vulnerable. Often nonprofits don't have a lot of resources to have these hefty types of firewalls and securities in place. And so perhaps maybe they are a little bit more at risk of being violated. With that being said, it's an area that they may not realize is important to get coverage. So today serves as a good reminder. And right, correct. And it's not just nonprofits that need the coverage and it's new to everybody. It's a, it's a new coverage in the industry and it's it's come a long way from the inception as far as what is covered policy. Thank you for helping us see that. So here on this podcast in particular, we do focus on the business behind nonprofits, but business is business and all companies should be considering their risks and speaking to their insurance companies about how to mitigate or reduce those risks. So I thank you for your time today, Matt. It was appreciated. And I want to just let you know that It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Mission, the business of nonprofits. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton Allen on the Michigan Business Network.